There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sports. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Indeed it is. We're into the second hour of the show and plenty of sport uh, still ongoing down here at Barasti. Great crowds in early doors for the Rugby World Cup 2019. We'll get back to the World Cup in a few moments' time uh, and tell you what's been happening over the course of the day. However, we've got drama aplenty in another sport, uh, albeit over in the UK. It's Leicester against Tottenham. We've had goals and drama. Chris McCartney. We certainly have. 35 minutes on the clock at the King Power Stadium. It remains Leicester nil at Tottenham Hotspur 1. Leicester thought they took the lead before the 20-minute mark. It was Wilfred Ndiri that slotted home. That was after a Yuri Tielemans effort had been saved by Paulo Gazaniga. It popped out to Ndiri, he poked it home, VAR got involved and rightly, correctly ruled out that Ndiri had just strayed offside as Yuri Tielemans took the shot. About five minutes or so ago though, we saw the opening goal of the game and what a goal it was. Eric Lamella picked it up on the halfway line. He threaded it through the eye of a needle into the run of Hyungmin's son. He was clear, little back heel into the path of Harry Kane. A little one-two in terms of his left foot, right foot, brought him through the defence, the central defensive partnership of Johnny Evans and Sununku. He then lost his balance to Harry Kane. He's on the ground, it wouldn't have been a penalty, no one touched him, he just lost his balance, trying to shift it from his left, the weight of his left onto the right, he hits the deck and still somehow finds a finish. It is a glorious finish, there are not many players in the Premier League that would have done what Harry Kane did there. Kasper Schmeichel is rushing out to close the angle down, he somehow on the deck finds it in him to find the top corner, the left hand corner for uh, of the Leicester goal he's given Spurs the lead it's 35 minutes on the clock it is Leicester nil Tottenham 1 uh, in the second hour we'll tell you what's going on over in Singapore ahead of the Grand Prix tomorrow we'll have qualifying for pole a little later on in proceedings plus we've got the latest from the Vitality T20 blast however the talking point and the noise you can hear here behind us here at Barasti has been generated by the unique event that is the Rugby World Cup 2019 The action got underway in Japan yesterday with the host taking on uh, Russia. Uh, interesting game this one as well. Uh, Japan will be uh, happy of their performance. Uh, they started as the favourites. Bit of a scare early doors uh, in that particular game, Alex Broom, but Japan coming through strong there. Yeah, listen, um, Russia actually was very, very surprising because as we were talking about before, they had some very, very poor results coming into this tournament. They were beaten by Connaught quite easily. Uh, Jersey, who are a championship side or a first division side in uh, England, they beat them quite comfortably, so they didn't even play national teams. Almost, I think, 
their Welsh coach Lynn Jones was actually foxing a bit, I think. I think he wanted people to think Russia were worse than they were actually were. So I think you might have find that in the Connaught game and the Jersey game that he wasn't as competitive as he could be because this side certainly would have given Connaught a much better run for their money and also probably beaten Jersey. So they were very impressive. I mean, the player for me that really, really stood out was a Russian called Kirill Golosnitsky. Um, Niskaya, I think it is, sorry, who is their flanker, who was absolutely fantastic. He played really well, scored their first try, and I thought was among the best players on the field. So he was a real breast of fresh air. And also uh, a winger as well, played a really, really good game. So Russia was great. I was very impressed by Russia. I thought it was one of their better performances uh, so far. And their good big goal, basically, is just to win. They just want to win, uh, win a match. That's all they want to do at this tournament. They've got a tough pool. They've got tough matches coming off, but this was certainly a good, a good performance. And also in the first match, you didn't want a big scoreline. You didn't want Japan to win 50-3 to three or something like that. You wanted a good competitive match and we got that with a lot of skills. So it was a very impressive start. Uh, let's just hear now from uh, the Russian team, shall we? Um, Vasily Artemyev was one of the standout players for uh, the Russians yesterday. He's got a very good moustache, got to give him that one. It's great touch, isn't it? Interesting, and Brian O'Driscoll was actually talking about him because he went to school with Brian O'Driscoll. Rock, yeah, yeah. So he went to Black Rock, he came over there to try and break into, and they called him, I forget what the name, nickname that, a sort of Irish nickname for him, but a uh, very interesting player, and yeah, he had a good game last night. I think it was known as the Rock Star or something. It was um, something like that, or the, the Russian Rock Star. The Russian or the, Rock Star. Yeah, something it? like that, but he's got a super moustache, playing at fullback, and uh, had a good game as well as the other player I really wanted to mention was Vitaly Zivatov I think they've got that right who again uh, flanker played a really really good game as well too so it's great to see Russia being competitive in this match and let's hope uh, it's hope, I, let's hope they continue it for the rest of the tournament. I do want to mention, though, a fascinating player for Japan, because Japan, of course, do have a lot of Japanese-born players in the team, but they also have a lot of players coming in. And one of the stars of the teams is Lappi, Lappi's Lubbishkakne, <laughs> yeah. Lappi's Lubbishkakne, who ran away. He's only just qualified for Japan. It's his third game, and he ran away and scored a stunning try, 50-metre try, Lappi's Lubbishkakne. So he's a great player, and uh, I think we'll see more a bit from him in the tournament. Indeed, we will. Let's hear now, then, from uh, the Russian rock star or the former Russian rock star uh, Vasily Artemev he was talking after the game yesterday here with the captain Vasily Artemev of Russia I mean you're coming to this game under a lot of pressure but you couldn't ask for a better start could you yeah we've uh, we've done everything we practiced I think huge huge effort from uh, all the players today tonight and I think uh, you could see it throughout the game that we were in the battle that we were playing our game plan few uh, few penalties a couple of missed opportunities I think that was the difference at the end but uh, thank you very much for the crowd today. We could hear our own support, and obviously we could hear the Japanese support. So, спасибо большое всем, кто пришел. Спасибо, мы вас слышали. Спасибо огромное за поддержку. You spoke about the fitness levels of your players. I mean, it all showed throughout your faces. The heart you gave from your team, you couldn't be more happier, could you? Yeah, I think everyone could see that. Uh, we, were, we were playing at the same intensity as Japan. We were uh, pushing them to the edges. We were getting some, uh, some dividends. Um, maybe we could have scored a couple more penalties if, if we went for it, but uh, we chose uh, to apply the pressure through uh, set piece. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the result we wanted, but uh, against huge effort for, uh, for our players, and uh, Arigatou gozaimasu to Japan for, uh, for the great performance. Well done, I know not the result you wanted. You got a short turnaround, go well for Samoa. Oh, yeah, we were fired up to play Samoa. I think first time in, in, in my history, anyway, playing against the uh, Pacific Island side. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. So, uh, again, uh, please come to support Russia. Uh, that was Vasily Artemyev. And obviously, uh, a little of that Irish education has rubbed off on him. 
Well, a lot of the Irish education. He actually spent a lot of time in Ireland at Blackrock, and he also hung around in Ireland trying to make a professional career in Ireland for a number of years, which he uh, failed to do. But he does. I mean, it's a wonderful thing that with the, the Russian captain speaking with his delightful Irish brogue. And also, I thought he was very impressive in Russian and then jumped over to Japanese for a little it's while too. one of too the most there. bizarre things I think I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, one thing I do love about this um, World Cup is that the sort of story, the backstories that it throws up along the teams. You mentioned the, the Russian coach, one of the, a, a very well-traveled Russian coach. I was having lunch with uh, a mate yesterday uh, here in Dubai who used to co coach under Lynn as uh, oh, okay. East Wales, I think, he was playing or coaching then. And see him popping up as manager of Russia as well. It's, it's great. Um, uh, John McKee, of course, the Fijian coach, is actually a New Zealander. There's lots of lots of interesting stories. Uh, same with the coach of Georgia, who's been there for many, many years, who's a New Zealander as well. So I think that's the wonderful thing about rugby, which a uh, sport like, say, Rugby League or Australian Rules or even the NFL um, really uh, has is jealous of, the fact that rugby is this very international sport. And like football, of course, which is the major international sport, rugby does have a real international following and international brethren. It also have, has its own ethics. And a lot of rugby is about people coming together, people celebrating the sport and being part of the sport. So you see some wonderful, wonderful camaraderie, even in the toughest minutes, even in the toughest games, you still see that camaraderie after the game, which I think is fantastic. Uh, OK, so let's continue on our world tour. We've just heard from uh, the Irish, the, from the the Russian captain there who obviously had a bit of an Irish twang. Let's hear from the Japanese captain now, shall we? Because I think there's a bit of a backstory from him. Michael Leach. Michael Leach, the captain of uh, Japan. I know a great result, but I'm sure there's some more work-ons after that one. Yeah, straight from the kickoff, Vizali and his men, uh, they put us under some extreme pressure and with their game plan and physicality, you know, they really tested us today. Do you think there were some nerves coming in, especially that first 40 minutes? 100% there were uh, big nerves. Um, you know, now that the nerves are out of the way, uh, we can start looking forward to Ireland. You must be pretty happy with the resolve from your team to be able to come back and, and sort of stifle that Russian attack. Yeah, I'm happy. Um, you know, we showed great resilience to, you know, to not go into our shell and keep playing. So, um, you know, there's a lot of work lines that we need to fix, but, uh, you know, I think we're in the right spot to take on Italy, uh, Italy Ireland. I think you must be really pleased with as well. You scored before halftime and just half the time. It's just so important, isn't it? You know, playing at the World Cup, you know, those, those points really put uh, pressure on. So, you know, to come out and uh, score straight after halftime, you know, that was a, a great uh, result for us to great uh, momentum. You'll take the win. Good luck for the next one. Come on, Michelle. Thank you. Uh, those thoughts of Michael Leach, the uh, Japanese uh, captain. I mean, to be fair to him, he's... He pretty much, I think he moved, they moved there in, when he was 15 years old or something like that. Yeah, Michael, I mean, he's born in New Zealand, of course, born in Christchurch, actually. But he, I must say, I was lucky enough in 2015 and 2011 to be at the World Cup and, and talk with Michael a fair bit. And Michael, is a, he's, he's, they regard him as more Japanese than New Zealander, and he actually regards himself more as Japanese. So it'd be, it's interesting to hear him do a Japanese interview because he actually can speak quite fluid Japanese. But he has a great respect there and a great love. And, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful. He's done a great job there, really, in uniting that team. And a very, very good player. Played for the Chiefs many years. For many years in Super Rugby, he played for the Chiefs. So he's a player who's respected all around the world, and he's somebody who really the Japanese have built their side around. Interesting, though, because I was watching this game yesterday with a, a bunch of rugby mates here as well, and we were looking at the sort of Japanese model. I'm not entirely sure of what the residency rulings are, but when you look at a number of the different backgrounds, a number of the different players who are playing for and representing Japan, whether that might be a blueprint that somewhere like 
the UAE used if they had aspirations to play at the highest level? 100%. If you've got the financial backing, you can build yourself a very, very good team. You can bring the players in. And essentially, it's three years now. It's three years the players have to be... They well, Number one, they mustn't have represented another nation at the senior level. They can have played under 21s. They can have been played that, but they cannot have played at the senior level. And they need to be have residency for three years. So that's what you see. But there also is another way, too. If the players come across through sevens, because due to the Olympics now people can swap nations so even if you've played for the all blacks you can basically play play sevens go across for six or seven sevens tournament then you can play for say some new zealand samoa in the olympics then you can go back to samoa in the 15s so there is actually a way around it these days which you've seen some players do chris mckay's looking chris mccarty's looking at me with absolute horror on his face like how can this happen it's insane it's what it is, isn't it? It's, it's only two teams. There's a bit of trivia for you. We're still running your trivia question from a little earlier Yeah, we on. are. Real Valladolid. R- R- Real Valladolid. Who owns them? Okay, we've got that one. Here's another one for you as well. Uh, of all the teams playing at the Rugby World Cup this year, two of them are completely born and bred. Oh, ho, ho. it's not Scotland. I can t- it's definitely not England. I can tell you that right off the bat. Two of them are born and bred. Which are the two teams which are... Can, can, can claim to have 100% Ooh. born and bred heritage in the Rugby World Cup at the moment. I think I know that. I know one of them certainly. Am I allowed to say yeah. it? Uruguay, I think, would be one. So Uruguay apparently don't because apparently they've got a couple of Argentinians Ooh, there. Oh, okay, okay. This is very, very interesting. Okay. I mean, you can go through and rule the players out because there's lots and lots of teams you can rule out straight away. It's up for debate. Um, I love you, it. I'll it's a great you, one. I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you one of them. And again, it's up for debate. Uh, one of them we've just seen playing now. South Africa. Yeah. South Africa. Well, you see, you can't because the Beast was not born in South Africa. Yeah, true. The Beast was born in uh, Z- Zimbabwe or Namibia. Yeah. The Beast. There was a big thing, of course, when uh, Tendai Matawera came across to play for South Africa originally. He actually had to stand down for a while because the sports council in South Africa said that he was not qualified as a South African player. So they're playing that so, one. You know? So Matawera, I don't <laughs> think Tendai is. <laughs> I don't so there's one. There's one. Uh, uh, and I've mentioned it already. And again, it's up for debate. Namibia. I'm told, it's, uh, no, I'm told it's Argentina. And Argentina are very strict on their rulings. I would agree with that. Pe- something that Pirochet does, isn't it? That, yep. that he sort of pushes through. And in fact, he's been quite outspoken about mm. it with his, uh, through his, uh, his, rug- his uh, world rugby uh, connections at the moment. Mm. But they are very particular. Only Argentinians, wow. born and bred, playing for Argentina. Yeah, no, I'm going to agree with that one because I don't think any Uruguayans would sneak in there. And you're right, it's a very Argentinian side. But I can confirm Tende Matawera was born in Zimbabwe. Yeah, that, is, is there no Kiwis, no Kiwis playing for the Argies? No. <laughs> no South Africans no. made it over there? No, no. No Scots? <laughs> I don't think we get in, will we? No, you're probably right. Uh, do send us your thoughts, please. We're listening to the world of uh, sport right here on the grill. We're live down here at Barasti. Um, I also want to hear now from, we're talking about those sort of backstories, the nice stories around the Rugby World Cup. Here's another one as well. Um, the the expertise, the wealth of expertise that is being shown uh, on the field has come from all corners of the globe. Japan, obviously hosting the event. We heard there from the captain. What about the manager of Japan as well, the great Jamie Joseph? I mean, there's a world travel man. Absolutely fantastic coach. He's done a great job there. Tony Brown, the uh, Otago player, former All Black, has really added some sparkle in the back line. Jamie's concentrating on the forwards, so a really good coaching double, coaching pair. Coaching double up there. Let's hear from Jamie after the game yesterday. The Japanese coach Jamie Joseph. I know, congratulations on the win, but um, what do you think you can do to, to, to sort of fix up some of those uh, frailties that happened tonight? Uh, I mean, the game showed that the boys were nervous. Um, 
as you said before the game, there's a lot of expectation on the guys. We thought we'd prepare well for it, but I, as I said earlier on, it's not until you get out there amongst it and then you realise just um, how much pressure there is on the guys. Um, I'm proud of the way they came through it in the end. We made a lot of unforced errors. Um, our kicking game was pretty poor tonight, so we're going to have to fix that up quickly. But you really have to take your head off to the Russian guys because they really took it to us, put us under a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, I just have to, give them, you know, have to congratulate Lynn and his guys for that, for sure. What was said at halftime by yourself? Because it seemed like there was a change in take this with a bit more go-forward ball. Um, like, to be honest, we um, tactically we didn't change a hell of a lot. I mean, the defence, the sting out of the Russian defence was a wee bit more subtle in the second half. Obviously, they, a little, they played a lot of rugby in that first half and got a little bit tired. Um, and we just executed a little wee bit better and took our chances a little bit better. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. Game on at the moment in the world of the Premier League where we've got uh, half-time at the moment. Are Spurs still with that one-goal advantage? They certainly do, Tom. Yeah, if you are just tuning in, it is Leicester City nil, Tottenham Hotspur 1. We are at half-time. A beautiful day over at the King Power Stadium. Harry Kane has got his name on the score sheet, not for the first time this season and won't be the last time either. It's a great goal. I've said it time and time again. Eric Lamella, Hyungmin's son, Harry Kane, lovely little bit of skill. He's lost balance in actual fact as the Spurs number 10. He's on the deck. Kasper Schmeichel has advanced. He's closed the angle down. And somehow Harry Kane is able to get his right foot across the ball, over the ball and into the far corner. You will be watching this for the next couple of days. I've got no doubt about that. It is Leicester nil. Tottenham Hotspur 1. Leeds also still leading by that one solitary goal, own goal in the first half against Derby County. And no goals in the early kickoff down in Spain at the moment where Villarreal are taking on Real Valladolid in the early kickoff. 60 minutes on the clock down there, nil-nil between the two. Um, let's go to the world of American football now. Plenty of talkers there. Oh my goodness, where to start with this? I, I guess the big news, and I know Alex Bruin's been across this one as well. If you follow NFL, you will have, over the course of the past few weeks, been following one man's saga. Antonio Brown, many will tell you, and if Ross Christ was here, he would definitely tell you, or maybe not. There has been a, no love loss between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Antonio Brown. Of course, Pittsburgh Steelers, Ross Chris side. He is on his day. He is most certainly in the top three wide receivers in the NFL. On his day, you'd probably put him right at the top of the tree. He started this year on the roster of the Oakland Raiders. No love lost there. He agitated, he argued with the general manager. He fell out with the coach, John Gruden. He got his move. He got out of there. His contract was ripped up. Where does he rock up at? The best team in the Football League in the New England Patriots. That had fans across the land, up in arms, basically give the Super Bowl to the New England Patriots now. Yes, OK, they've lost their tight end, Rob Gronkowski, but in Julian Edelman, in James White uh, in the backfield, in Sony Michel, in uh, uh, Gordon as well, Josh Gordon, the wide receiver. They have a receiving core, and, of course, they have the GOAT in Tom Brady. Everyone felt, listen, it's done and dusted. The New England Patriots will be Super Bowl champions, Miami, start of February. That being said, some serious allegations levelled against Antonio Brown by his former trainer, in actual fact, sexual allegations levelled against him. They stayed firm, did the New England Patriots, of course at this stage, and I should stress, only allegations. The story evolved a little bit more this past week, his agent has got involved, Antonio himself never able to zip it when he should zip it, 
and New England Patriots have taken the decision after just one game and he received four catches last week at the Miami Dolphins. He got a touchdown pass from Tom Brady as well. They have decided to cut him. That is a big story in the it US. It is, but I mean, there's another little twist in the tale there too because uh, with Brown, there was a Sports Illustrated article that came out with another lady coming forward with allegations against Brown and then Brown sent her threatening messages and it was that step when the Patriots heard about the threatening messages that Brown had sent during the week to this woman who'd come forward with allegations that Bill Belichick said enough is enough now, which is pretty remarkable because the Patriots, as we know, are the perfect guys at picking up the lost causes and turning them into superstars. They're absolutely brilliant at doing that, and I completely agree with Antonio Brown then, the Patriots unstoppable for the Super Bowl. But, I mean, the Patriots have made a big step, a big bold step, and said no more, we're going to cut this guy. They've still got a fantastic team, and let's just hope that in the washout, Antonio Brown learns a little bit from this and becomes a better sportsman and a better human being. His agent has come out to say that he fights on, does Antonio Brown. Some suggestions, certainly on social media, from one or two pundits, that this may be the end of the 31-year-old's career in NFL. Others out there saying, well, hold on a second, and his agent being one of them saying he remains fit, he remains active, he will deal with the allegations in due course, and he remains fit for purpose. Bill Belichick, New England Patriots coach. Now, anyone that follows NFL will know that this man doesn't suffer fools gladly. He doesn't offer up much in the way of insight before a match. His team take on the New York Jets this weekend. In actual fact, this press conference, before the news was released of Antonio Brown and his departure from the Patriots, take a little listen to this. He doesn't want to talk Antonio Brown, and you better believe your life that he doesn't want to talk about Antonio Brown. No, there are questions about Antonio. You know, we take all the situations with our team very seriously, and there are some things that we're looking into, but I'm not going to have any comment on any of the off-the-field situations or questions on that. So anything on football, happy to answer. As far as your work with Antonio in football, do the off-field um, accusations, allegations, complicate your ability to coach him, your feelings about him personally? Yeah, when we work on football, we work on football. Um, Coach, can you just talk a little bit about Antonio Brown's role this weekend? Uh, no, I'm not going to get into that. We're going to do what's best for the team like we always do. You always say you want what's best for the team. So how do you weigh with your players their performance on the field with their behavior off the field and what's best for the team overall? Yeah, well, it's a big picture question. You know, we answer it the best we can. There's no set formula. How important is the behavior off the field? Everything's important. Bill, do you, do you expect to have Antonio available to you on Sunday? He's on our roster. Bill, um, another headline today focusing on Antonio Brown. Does any of this at all affect his status with the team? Yeah, I think I've already addressed this. So we're going to get ready for the Jets here. Happy to answer any football questions. But the rest of it, I'm, I'm done with the rest of it. Is there ever a point where some off-field stuff is... Enough okay. Enough, so, much? yeah, that's yeah. I'm good. Okay. Thank you. Well, yeah, we had enough. Of that. I had a. I said a non Antonio Brown. That, that is Bill Belichick walking out of his press conference. Let me ask you, Alex, because you've been in the unique position of being a media manager. You've been a media manager for the Springboks. A wonderful role that. You've been a media manager for the British and Irish Lions. Is there not a duty of care? Is there not a responsibility on Bill Belichick as the face of that organisation, whether he's talking football or not, 
to actually front up and answer the questions that we, the media, have for him. Listen, I've got to agree with you 100%. Um, he's copped out there totally. I mean, these are very valid questions. And he started off by saying, which is what I would do if I was the press guy at the start of the press conference. I'd say, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of issues We're off the field. We are only going to talk about football matters. That's what I would do, which is what we heard at the, their press guy do. But Belichick really has, actually, the entire press conference should only be about Antonio Brown. It should only be about that. It should only be about that issue and why the Patriots felt that it was worthy to take this player on. And even after the allegations, the first set of allegations came out, they still then held on to him for the first game. It's very interesting in Australia. It's very different at the moment. They have a policy now there when if any allegation comes up, the player is removed. So massive controversy there with a player called Jack DeBellin, who's a very good player, played State of Origin last year. Some controversy, uh, some allegations emerged about him in the off-season and he was basically taken off the roster of the team that he was played for, and he has spent the last six months not playing the game, waiting for the matter to come to court. Now, if, of course, Bellin says he is innocent, and if at the end of it all it is proven that he is innocent, then, you know, then it's proven that he's missed a whole season of his life as a football player. But the, uh, I mean, you, you can't win either way, really. You take them out, and maybe you've made the wrong decision, you leave them in there, and you're saying, well, that's okay, we condone that behaviour. You, though, in that instance, I mean, listen, I appreciate rugby's different from NFL, American football. That being said, you are followed by millions around the globe. If you are a media man for that organisation, and clearly Bill has taken advice from someone, I appreciate Bill Belichick is the Sir Alex Ferguson of the NFL, of American football. He maybe sets the agenda himself because he's all-powerful. But surely you're in that man's ear. I mean, give us your insight. What would your advice be? And I appreciate this is vastly serious allegations that have been levelled against Antonio Brown. Well, listen, I actually think Belichick's actually taken it on himself there not to say anything. I, I think he is such a senior coach, and I don't think the media guy's telling him anything. I think he is making the decisions about what he wants to talk about, and he's just decided he's not going to talk about it. And when the journalists keep asking him questions, he just gives up. I had a couple of similar situations. When I was uh, the media manager for the Springboks, which I was for five years, which was a great privilege, Dr. Louis Late was the CEO of the South African Rugby Football Union. Now, Dr. Late, uh, the, the, the great or late uh, Dr. Late, he, uh, gosh, that's sorry, I apologise for that. It's a very crazy thing to say. But anyway, he's not with us anymore. Dr. Late, he uh, was uh, the CEO. He's a very, very controversial figure. And he, there would be lots of issues when a press conference came up and people would just want to talk about Louis Late and what Louis Late's done and why did he say this and why did he do that and why did they play the old anthem and why has this happened, etc, etc, etc. And I would have to say right at the start, listen, this is Dick Mallett. He's a coach of the Springbok team. He is not running South African rugby and could we please just have questions about the players? But you can understand everybody there asking questions and this was, you know, the, the, the man who basically played the old South African anthem the first time the Springboks came back into the game. And also he was the man who said some very controversial things in 1995 also during that World Cup. So, you know, you, you had to say those things and deal with those things. It's very, very difficult. During the Lions, I was the Lions media manager in 2001, and uh, we had a very big controversy there where Matt Dawson put out a column saying that he was going off tour. So when we won the first test in Brisbane, we are all going into this joyful press conference, and suddenly one of the British journalists, Johnson, said, uh, Matt Dawson's column tomorrow being printed in the Times, he says that the whole thing's a disaster and you're all going off tour. What is your comment to that? So, you know, you it's very, very... And to tell you the truth, maybe that moment stopped the Lions winning that series. Maybe that moment they never recovered from because, of course, the Lions went on to lose the next two tests and not win that series. So it could maybe perhaps be able to be traced back 
to that moment. So these are incredibly difficult things. They're important things to deal with. And if a team deals with them badly, as I think Bel Belichick did, it could go on to spill onto the field. Yeah, I mean, listen, my opinion counts for nothing. I'm with you 100% on this. I think that the, the accusations are so serious. A decision, a conscious decision has been taken on by that organisation to bring Antonio Brown on. They have since cut him. I think Bill Belichick needs to step up, front up to all of that. That all being said, and I'm sure we will have NFL fans and Patriot fans listening in on the show this afternoon, they'll probably turn around to me and say, Chris, listen, Bill Belichick won't care what you think. That's the way he's been 100%. doing it. He has had success 100%. doing it this way. Okay, it's a bit unedifying at times, and there's been Spygate and Deflategate. There's been other things that can be levelled against that man, but he wants to talk football and football only. That is a hallmark of the organisation. You can bet your life all his boys will be primed and ready to go to war against the New York Jets tomorrow. Absolutely. That's the thing about the Patriots, and everybody hates them, and that's okay. They don't care. It's, it's, it's a bit like Liverpool at the moment. You know, we are the unbearables. Welcome the unbearables. The Liverpool fans are actually embracing the fact that everybody, you know, doesn't like the success that they're having. But the Patriots won't care. They will just roll on and roll on and roll on at the moment. They're the, the favourites for the Super Bowl, and you expect them to go on and win it. And whatever, exactly, whatever Chris McCarty says, whatever Alex Bruin says, Bill Belichick really doesn't care, nor does Tom Brady. I mean, the allegations and things that have been said about Tom Brady you know the allegations come up and that's the really important thing about being a professional sportsman at that level I mean really interesting Andy Robertson this week has yeah. discontinued his Twitter account because he's been getting abused which is you know ridiculous. for the Napoli game and for Scots Scots fans are abusing because the national team's not doing very well so this is a real thing with players at that level how do they deal with questions from the media how do they deal with negative fan uh, fan comments how do they deal with these things it's a real challenge what about Major League Baseball? It continues. NBA, and I can't wait for the new NBA season. It starts, of course, later on. It's coming up in actual fact. It starts the next couple of weeks. It does, after a fantastic base Basketball World Cup. The Basketball World Cup was fantastic. Spain, yeah. Great disappointment in Australia, of course, because we were beaten in double overtime by Spain. Double overtime, but congratulations to Spain. Went on and won that tournament. Quick, quick word about the Filipino basketball team at the FIBA World Cup. This, uh, Benji, our, our <laughs> it's not happy with it that. It wasn't with, great. No. I think it finished bottom, is that right, Ben? Oh, Tom, you haven't have finished tough, bottom tough, of the rank. I think they finished bottom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's tough. But they, you know, they're still good players and, and put in a great tournament. But uh, going back to NBL, I think, uh, sorry, the Major League Baseball, I think there's either people who love basketball or love baseball. I myself am a baseball fan. There's some, it's coming up to the playoffs. There's two really outstanding teams this year, Houston and the, the Patriots of the Major League Baseball, the Yankees. Everybody hates the Yankees. The Houston are on, have won 101 games. It used to be that that was something that could never happen in a baseball season, win 100 games in the regular season. The number of teams that have done it now in the last three or four years is quite incredible. But Houston are on, have won 101 games. They're on a win percentage of 6.656, which is absolutely extraordinary. The Yankees just behind them with 100 wins, 55 losses for 6.45. So Houston will win the Western Division of the American League. The Yankees will win the Eastern Division of the, the American League. At, at the moment, Minnesota lead the Central Division and probably will claim that one. The wildcard race looks like it's between Oakland, Tampa Bay and Cleveland, and probably you'd say Oakland and Tampa. And it's very, very close there. Tampa Bay and Cleveland. This is a great thing at the moment about baseball. It's incredibly tight. There's, they've played 154 games this season, Tampa Bay and Cleveland. They've won 91 each, lost 63 each for a percentage of 591. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. It's a wonderful thing about people keep trying to write baseball off, but it's still a wonderful sport with incredibly exciting finishes. Then going across to the National League, the Dodgers. 
the LA Dodgers, who are very, very unlucky, of course, in recent uh, recent World Series with a great team, some really, really wonderful players. A couple of players were out here a number of years yeah. ago because they are sponsored, of course, by Emirates. Uh, they've won 99 uh, games, lost 55, 643. They have already tied up the Western Division in the National League. Atlanta. The Atlanta, Atlanta doing very well this season, having a great season. They've won 95, lost 60, and they look like they're going to tie up the Eastern Division. And then we have St. Louis. St. Louis, good old St. Louis. They're looking pretty good in the Central Division on 87 at the moment. And uh, looking at the wildcard picture there, we've got Washington and Milwaukee. Uh, they look like they've tied that up. The Cubs maybe have got a bit of an outside shot, uh, but it's really wrapping up there. And it's going to be a very, very exciting series. And I think it's going to come down to probably... Houston and the Dodgers, or maybe Yankees and the Dodgers, we'll see in the World Series this year. You mentioned their basketball as well. Cannot wait for the brand new season there. Kyrie, of course, Irving, he's moved on. We've got Kawhi Leonard moving to the Clippers. We've got now Anthony Davis linking up with LeBron James uh, at the LA Lakers. It's going to be a fascinating season from an NBA perspective. Before all of that, though, a little closer to home. Excitement building right here in Dubai because the PBA, the Philippines Basketball Association, they are coming back to Dubai. They're at the Coca-Cola Arena. Exciting times for the Coca-Cola Arena, of course. They are rolling out the red carpet. Their first major sporting event since they opened their doors. And it is the PBA that are making an appearance Friday, October 4th, Saturday, October 5th. We're going to see three teams in action. Tickets on sale now. I am told tickets have been selling well for this one. The Filipino community will be out. It's much more than just the Filipino community, of course, though, because this is top-class basketball coming right here to Dubai. I had the chance a little earlier this week to catch up with Kiefer Ravena. Now, Kiefer is undoubtedly one of the stars of the PBA. He plays for NLEX Road Warriors. They are having a disappointing season, I think it's fair to say, by their lofty standards. But nonetheless, excitement building ahead of this one. I caught up with him a little earlier this week, and I begun by asking him, what is it like being a professional basketball player in the Philippines? Out here, uh, it's just just as anybody's dream, you know. Uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, kids, uh, especially the youth who, who play hoops uh, on the streets everywhere. And it's their dream, uh, you know, basketball is a way of life out here. And we're one of the fortunate ones who, who get to play it professionally. And uh, in the future, you know, time will come that we will pass on uh, the legacy of playing uh, Philippine basketball to the future basketball players, to the young ones right now who are playing in college or playing in high school. Uh, so, you know, it's also a way of uh, other people escaping, you know. Uh, you know, Philippines is, is not really, uh, we're... In terms of uh, economy, we're an all right country, so with a lot of people really banking on basketball, it's a free ride for education, you know, a lot of uh, money to earn or uh, be, have a living with basketball. So um, it's big for us to be able to uh, share and uh, showcase our talents uh, with, as basketball players. Give us an insight as well, Kiefer. I mean, just how big of a superstar are you? I mean, are you able to walk down the street? Are you? Do you have fans <laughs> mobbing oh, you? Oh yeah, of course, of course. Uh, now, now we, we're we're normal people out here. You know, just walk to the malls, uh, watch movies, go out and have dinner, um, and you know, people asking pictures of us. You know, it's just a small way of. of how much effort they put in to support us, to watch our games, spend money to follow us, buy whatever clothes that we're wearing, uh, those little things. And, you know, uh, five seconds for a picture is not too much over time. So, um, 
that's what we try to repay them uh, if ever they, they ask for pictures. So it's a small way of uh, us showing appreciation for their support. Why is basketball so big in the Philippines, Kiefer? Yeah, it's a way of life, you know. It, it, it unites people. Uh, people stop whatever they're doing to watch the, their basketball idols and people got used to it, uh, especially um, the older generation of, of uh, PBA players until now, people still uh, want to see them play uh, in, in celebrity games, in charity games, in uh, different basketball games, uh, just because you know it's part of tradition that uh, even you know our grandparents uh, support the PBA, watch the PBA before. So I guess it just grew up on on uh, the future generation uh, to watch and play basketball. It's the 44th season of the PBA. I mean, what's been the biggest change for you in the last few years in terms of the growth of this league? Uh, just to, you know, it's just uh, the number of uh, players who really uh, come and impress and make a name from themselves. Uh, a lot of young guys coming in the league, uh, really showcasing their talent and. Uh, proving that they belong in the big stage is more of that part. But uh, competition-wise, uh, you know, it, it it remains the same. It, it differs only with you know with imports coming in and some imports not coming back anymore. So I guess adjustment-wise, uh, it's not too much big of an adjustment. Uh, it's really more of uh, getting used to winning, getting used to playing uh, a lot of games together as one team that you know that that helps the team be successful and is the nba the dream for all young kids in the philippines oh yes 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 it, it, it's a it's a dream for each one of us to play in the nba um it's something that we look forward to even we we think about it in our sleep dream about it to to play there uh, but you know it's it's a nice it's a nice goal to achieve. Uh, it's gonna be hard, but hopefully one day it opens a lot of doors for Filipinos to be able to play in the NBA. And how active is the NBA in the Philippines, Kiefer? I mean, is there talent spotters from the United States over there keeping an eye on the PBA and the superstars within it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, basketball is so global right now that there are a lot of people in the United States, not only probably also in Europe or. or uh, whichever part, uh, watching talents all over the world, just see uh, different brands of basketball. So I guess in terms of uh, people watching how Filipinos play, there are a lot of people in the world who are aware of how we play, how 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 each style differs from each continent. So it's also fun to to learn and appreciate different brands of basketball. Final couple from me, Kiefer. I mean, what is the best thing? about being a basketball player in the PBA down in the Philippines? Uh, you know, just being able to uh, share your talents, be a role model to to people, especially the youth, uh, that hoping one day that they become uh, like you. So it's more of that part that really uh, makes it important for us to, to represent our brand, our organization, uh, very well and, uh, and the, the, the the league very well as a lot of people are watching us uh, I guess that's the most important thing for us here uh, as, as Filipino basketball athletes What are your immediate 
to long-term goals, Kiefer? I mean, in the short term, is it just about getting your team up the table long-term? Is it about winning more titles and maybe seeing yourself over in Europe? Uh, of course, of course. You know, you, you got to start from something. I guess you got to start from really winning a lot of games, getting used to winning, and then eventually making it to the to the playoffs, making it to the finals. You lose some, you'll win some, and uh, try to win as much championships uh, as you can before your basketball career ends. So for for me, not probably just for me in general, uh, you know, it's something for us that uh, we could look forward to as as part of our end goal to win a lot of championships. But you got to start from somewhere. And final one from me, Kiefer, and I'll let you get on with your day. What would be your message to fans over here? Coca-Cola Arena, PBA back October 4th to 5th. What would you say to them? To all the Filipino fans, uh, hoping that you can all uh, come out and support your favorite PBA teams uh, to come out and watch us live on October 4 and 5 there in Coca-Cola Stadium. Uh, we're hoping to bring a good show, uh, a competitive one, a nice game for everybody. So hopefully you guys can come out and get your tickets as, as if it's still available and hoping that we can see you guys there and have fun. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Let's get an update on the football show. We was happening here. Let's get the latest of Chris McCarty, who's watching the Premier League. Yeah, 62 minutes gone at the King Power Stadium. Welcome back. It is still Leicester 0, Tottenham 1. Leicester being far better in this second period. Brendan Rodgers has clearly ripped into one or two. They're a little bit passive, certainly towards the end of that first half, but they've come out. They're obviously chasing to get back into this one. It's almost natural in many respects that Spurs are going to retreat somewhat they are looking ever more uh, dangerous on the uh, counter-attack our Spurs but just a few moments ago we saw Hyungmin's son break through he was clean through yes okay he was at an angle you'd expect better from the South Korean he dragged his left-footed shot wide of Kasper Schmeichel's far post and that came just five minutes after Leicester City carved out their best opportunity of the match thus far it was James Madison threading a little bit a little ball down the kind of inside channel for Jamie Vardy to get in behind Jan Vertonghen never going to match him for pace stayed on his feet did the big Belgian Jamie Vardy on his left foot got the shot off across Gazaniga but it was a wonderful save from the Argentine to keep Spurs ahead in this one so 63 minutes on the clock Spurs have been good value for this coming off that visit to Greece in midweek and just as I say that another chance for Hyungmin's son here a wonderful tackle from Sununku it will fall to Serge Aurier though at an angle and it's 2-0 Spurs it's a wonderful finish From the Ivorian, I did say that Spurs just on the counter-attack, starting to threaten that little bit more. And in Hyung Min's son, you have a player who I think is tailor-made for Manchester City. He is so intelligent. He is a wonderful talent. He picks it up through the middle once again, similar as we saw from the first goal. You see a replay of it here. It is son, not Harry Kane, who's at the point of the Spurs attack. He just keeps himself onside. Wonderful feet. It's a great tackle from Sununku. But the ball out, out to Harry Kane. He's got the time, the vision to pick out Serge Aurier, the right back, just on the right-hand side of the penalty box. One touch. It's what we call in the industry a daisy cutter. He just zings it into the far corner. Kasper Schmeichel, no chance. It is Leicester nil. Tottenham Hotspur 2. Keep an eye on that one for you as we are the T20 Blast, which is finals day down there. Uh, 
fascinating game uh, developing at the moment. Uh, still not done as well. It's Notts Outlaws taking on the Worcestershire Rapids. Uh, Worcestershire with 147 for nine. Uh, Notts Outlaws, though, uh, they are into the final over. They seem to be cruising this one, thanks to uh, 50 from Alex Hales a little earlier on. Uh, they now need six from the last four balls. Six from the last four balls. Uh, Samit Patel is at the crease. They've just lost three quick wickets. Uh, Milani was run out. Uh, Moores was out. Uh, first ball uh, of his innings. And Dan Christian, the skipper, also out. So we're going to keep an eye on that one for you. Meantime, though, it's back to the Premier League. Why? Because the... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this is... It's almost farcical, is what it is. We have got the diameters, the, the Pyagoras theories out once again. I mean, they're checking this goal. We're talking millimetres. They've had to zoom in on the VAR for this decision. It's an absolute joke. It's what it is if this goal is disallowed. Now, we often it say is. offside is black and white. Mm. On an instance like this, we were always told when the VAR came out for the FIFA World Cup that it has to be a clear and obvious error. This isn't clear and obvious. We're zooming in on the VAR. If this goal is disallowed, it's another absolute disgrace. Yeah. Is it ruled out? It's, it's no, no goal. goal. I have oh to agree goodness. with you, Chris. I mean, that oh is my God. really, I mean, for anybody who's not in front of a screen and can't see this, it's a shoulder blade. It is literally a shoulder blade. It is literally the thickness of the player's jersey. It's a That's joke. what it is. It's ridiculous. And I, I completely agree with you. It's clear and obvious. That is not clear and obvious. Surely, if there's one millimeter in it, it's got to go. The goal's got to stand. And a really good goal for Spurs there has been has been struck off, which is really disappointing. I get clear and obvious. I, agree. I get that. On that instance, though, when we have waited, what, two, three minutes mm. since the Spurs fans celebrated Aurier striking that ball into the, uh, into the back of the net, we're still waiting. It just leaves a bitter taste. And I said it at the start of the season. I was there at Vicarage Road at mm. the start of the season. I was at Old Trafford. The ones I feel most sorry for are those fans in that stadium because for the last three minutes, they've paid their money. They've had no clue what's going on. Well, this is the thing. And as we were saying earlier, it's good in a way in the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup, they're letting these things go. But there was an unbelievable decision last week in uh, the Liverpool game. I mean, again, and it just kind of kind of makes a mockery about VAR where Joel Matip was rugby tackled to the ground by a, new, a Newcastle player in that match, and it was left standing. Yeah, it was Jamal Lascelles. Exactly. So, it was a penalty all day exactly. long. Exactly. So, hold on. How come it, that is left standing, but that decision, when it's a one millimetre in it, it's a joke. the goal is, is struck off? I mean, that's absolutely crazy. Also, the camera is not directly in line with yes, the player. Yes, exactly. How can you make that decision when the camera's... You're saying his shoulder blade is ahead of the other player's shoulder blade. I mean, that, it's just ridiculous. It's a nonsense. Charmer in the T20 blast. Uh, Notts Outlaws need two runs to win from the last ball of the game. Uh, two runs needed from the last ball uh, after that uh, 52 from Alex Hales a little earlier on. This in the wake uh, that uh, Ashley Giles told Ashley uh, told um, uh, Alex Hales that the door is still open for the former England man. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. Uh, we'll also keep an eye on this, the first of two semi-finals, the Vitality T20 Blast ahead of the finals later on this evening. I'll tell you the result on that one in a few moments' time. One thing, whatever happens here for the Worcestershire Rapids, they have unearthed a talent for the future during this uh, T20 campaign this year. Young man, keep an eye out for him. Patrick Brown, Pat Brown as he's better known, uh, at Worcestershire. A very exciting young prospect for England at the moment. Great bowler as well. He's weighed in with some interesting, some useful runs as well throughout the season. But he is certainly one to watch. I'm probably one of the most competitive people that will play. When I get into that battle on the field or 
when I know a batsman's trying to get the better of me, that brings out the competitive side of me. Brilliantly bowled. I think that's when I bowl at my best. This is a fantastic over from young Pat Brown. For me, it's mainly more about slower balls and deception. I want the batsman to be guessing where the next ball is going to be rather than knowing it's going to be somewhere and setting up for it. I think my bowling style is probably a mix of being coached different sorts of things and different deliveries and having a natural ability to kind of deliver them. I've, you obviously have to find a way when you're just coming into the game to be a bit different or find your little niche. Knuckleball, got him, absolutely superb. I learned the knuckleball off a coach last year and sort of managed to have a natural ability to be able to bowl it to a decent level. So then that was one I thought, this is something I can, I can really work with and develop. Yet another knuckleball, it wobbles, it dives. So it, it was just about knowing that was what I wanted to work on and keep going with it and even if it takes two years it'll get to a level where it is good enough to obviously do well on finals day with that as your main weapon as such. Last season I played a bit of the 50 over stuff towards the back end of the competition and um, I found myself in the team through someone else's injury which isn't nice for them but obviously as a sportsman it's kind of what you have to think this is this is my chance and I'm not going to let them get their spot back. This has gone straight up in the air. Taken. He's got another one. Yes, what a catch. What a game he's having. I was trusted with the last over to try and defend. I think it was 10, might have been 11, to get us to a Lords final, which where we'd never been before. Shoveled away into the leg side. Oh, he's been parried. Parried over the boundary for six. He's got it up and over. This could be it. It's all over. Worcestershire put up one of the gamest defences of 306 that you could imagine. But in the end, it just was not enough. And I didn't manage to do that. So that was quite disappointing. Feeling that disappointment is something that really helped me to get to the level I was in 2020 last year and, and learn from that that situation and know when that situation came again what I would do differently, what I would do the same and how I could think in that situation. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at DubaiEye1038.com.